0: Good morning, coming to you from my beautiful backyard on a picture-perfect Sunday morning. Recording late this morning, unfortunately, because I did sleep in pretty dramatically. I uh, I slept in, I slept, I think I got out of bed a little after 9 a.m. this morning. Yeah, I was up till almost 1, in fairness. So I got a really good night's sleep. And I was up late. I stayed up watching SummerSlam. We will talk about SummerSlam. WWE SummerSlam on this podcast. I will keep it brief, I promise. I know that's a little polarizing. In that, I know there's almost nobody who gives a shit. But <laughs> when we talk about it, I'll do. A, I'll set a timer and I'll keep it under 60 seconds, I promise. I, uh, I sit in this beautiful backyard right now. Freshly mowed backyard. If I could just say I woke up this morning and had some hardcore nostalgia for being a child because, again, I sleep till 9 a.m. And I wake up and there's the sound of a lawnmower. My wife has fired up the lawnmower and she is mowing the lawn. And I come downstairs to make myself a cup of coffee and there are fresh-baked blueberry muffins on the stove. Ladies and gentlemen, is it possible that I'm living the dream? Is it possible that I actually have a perfect life? Because that felt perfect and not only that when i say it it felt nostalgic that reminded me of being like 17 years old you know what i mean and like waking up in my parents house super late probably honestly nine o'clock back then it would have even been early this probably would have been more like 11 a.m rolling out of bed age of 17 on a saturday in the summer sunday i should say in the summer uh uh, well probably a Saturday. Sundays I did tend to wake up earlier and go to my grandpa's house. But on Saturdays or even just during the week, whatever, roll out of bed. Dad's outside mowing the lawn. Mom says there's blueberry muffins on the stove. You'll just have to warm them up. We had them for breakfast this morning 3 hours ago. <laughs> but um but anyway, but, but just a what a what a fantastic way to start the day. And it's going to be a beautiful day because today is hot wheels monster trucks glow in the dark at blue cross arena it was here yesterday too i think they did two shows yesterday and then final shows this afternoon we're going taking leo to see the monster trucks love that um there's even a pit party and everything so we're going over there in uh, in actually just a couple of hours because it's an afternoon show so we've been looking forward to that one for a couple of months love having stuff on the calendar to look forward to it's funny because this morning woke up and um I'm sitting there nursing a cup of coffee. Wife comes in from mowing the lawn. We're sitting on the couch, and she says to me, commercials are starting to work on Leo. And I go, what do you mean? And see, we have, we've cut the cord. We don't have cable or whatever, but we have, like, YouTube TV, and we have uh, uh, Netflix, Hulu. We have Peacock, I know. I think we got a handful of the subscription services. But the big one, of course, is the YouTube TV. And... Uh, on YouTube TV, there's the library, the stuff you DVR. Um, and what we were doing was we were just starting to spend a lot of money on the shows he likes because he likes all the Paw Patrol stuff. He likes uh, uh, he likes Peppa Pig. He likes Daniel Tiger. Those are his go to shows. We were starting to occasionally have to spend two or three bucks an episode. And so we finally just went onto YouTube TV and DVR'd a bunch of the stuff. So it's like old school kind of in the sense that there's DVR, but he, when he's watching it, is now watching commercials, which he didn't for a long time. And And the beginning of that was kind of funny because he was somewhat spoiled in that he never experienced a commercial for a long time. So the first time he was experiencing commercials, he was like, literally his show would be on, it would stop, commercials would come on, and his face would, his jaw would drop and he would be like the hell is this the hell why why did my show stop what the hell is this and that was funny because like he did spend a couple years of formative years never experiencing a commercial but anyway now he knows what commercials are now he's in he gets it he knows it's part of the game because now we're just DVRing his show so they're all kind of free or not free but you know they're coming in with the YouTube subscription and um the commercials are working on him my wife told me this morning, she said, he wants to go to Great Wolf Lodge. Do you know why? I said, why? Because why? he keeps seeing the commercial. Also, uh, what was the other thing it was? He wants, um, he knows, uh, oh, he saw bubble, uh, bubble gum, like bubble tape. Do you remember bubble tape? Where it's like bubble gum, but it comes, it, like it's tape almost. He saw that. And he goes, I want that. So he, now he's talking about that. And I think there was another thing, too, where he's saying he wants to, he wanted to go to. Oh, he knows that um, he likes the jingle for. I think it's Seabreeze or something like that. But he's getting. But you're starting to see the commercials. The he's being influenced. It's working on the little guy. Okay, bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, I I, I want to talk about. I got work stuff to talk about. I had the most amazing dinner at Rocco last night. I want to break that down because Mark Cupolo is one of, if not the best chef in Rochester, and I had the chance to experience that firsthand last night. Uh, I want to talk about an initiation I was part of, I do have here three positives and three negatives from my week as an entrepreneur, Um, and of course 60 seconds on SummerSlam, should we just all bite the bullet and get the 60 seconds on SummerSlam out of the way? Here's how we're going to do this, you know what I think we're going to do? I'm going to set a timer, and I'm going to vow to you 60 seconds to get through this entire topic, you ready? WWE SummerSlam breakdown, here we go, boom! Okay, I was really excited about this card, and honestly, it underwhelmed. The card was almost too good to live up to the hype. Here's a few uh, observations. Um, I feel like Roman still has too many stories to tell, and so unfortunately, I feel like we knew Jay Uso wasn't going to get the win last night. They gave Jay. You can see exactly behind the scenes how close these guys all are because they gave Jay the pinfall win over Roman. Uh, one or two pay-per-views ago, which was kind of like the blessing of Jay. Now he's going to feud with his brother, who came back and turned on him. Meanwhile, Roman still has the Solo Sokoa story to tell, and Cody Rhodes somehow now has to come and mingle with Roman and finally get over there. Uh, Cody over Brock felt forced. I mean, Brock just beat the shit out of him for a half hour, and then all of a sudden Cody makes a comeback. That was stupid. Rousey versus Shayna Baszler was kind of a dud. Um, And the Balor versus uh, uh, Finn Balor versus... Uh, Damien Priest thing is going to be interesting now too Seeing these two kind of go at each other Okay, 60 seconds, boom I could have done more, as you know I rushed through that But I'm trying to do for my people Now let's get into some food talk Let's skip around topics a little bit here Let's get into some food talk I want to break down to you one of the most glorious meals of my entire life Because it happened in the last 12 hours Last night 16 hours I should say Last night, uh, my wife and I got a late tip That we were going to have a babysitter On accident, my father-in-law said i want to take leo putt putt golf leo had been talking about putt putt golf my father-in-law comes through and says i would like to take leo putt putt golf so i'll pick him up at four o'clock and i'll have him home you know around like eight or so and we're going looking at each other going do you want to and both of us as parents of a toddler on a saturday night don't even know what to say we just look at each other we go do you want to go out to dinner (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, let's go out to dinner. And, of course, we chose Rocco for two main reasons. One reason, of course, it is one of, if not the best restaurant in Rochester. And number two, uh, for my 40th birthday not too long ago, earlier this year, I was gifted a uh, nice sizable gift card to Rocco. So it was burning a hole in my pocket. And I said, well, it's one of my favorite restaurants anyway. And I got this big gift card. Let's go. Which actually brings me to this, though, before I break down the meal. It's funny because on the one hand, you get the gift card, you get excited, you go. But then I'm sitting there and I'm almost feeling guilty about using a gift card. I don't know. How does that kind of work? Do you know what I mean? Because on the one hand, I'm going, does it make you look cheap to use a gift card? But on the other hand, no, because a gift card's still real money. Somebody paid that actual money. It's just, um, I don't know. There's just a weirdness to kind of using a gift card. And I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of like our work with Redbird Market. And it doesn't bother me when people use gift cards there because, right, the accounting all works out anyway. Now, there is some weirdness where people will maybe buy a gift card and then kind of like never use it, or they'll use it, you know, a year later or something like that. So that can F with your accounting just a little bit. It can alter your margin, I guess, overall. But really, I guess if you have a nice little handle, and I guess I'm talking more about Redbird right now, but if you have a nice little handle on how many you're selling, what dollar amount you have out there live at any time... It's not really that big of a problem because you can kind of offset that. Okay, not to get down the offset, not to get down the accounting highway here. But uh, anyway, we use a gift card, and I just feel a little bit funny about using a gift card. But I think at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. To be honest with you, Mark is probably listening to this podcast. I would love to hear your opinion, Mark. Is it weird to use a gift card? I personally don't think it is, but feel free to disagree with me. You would know better than I would. So Mark, who I referenced, Mark Cupolo, is the uh, head chef. He's the owner at Rocco and Rella, for that matter, next door. And we knew without a reservation, we would have to get there Right as the doors open. So Ryan and I get there at like 5.01 p.m., which bonus points, we get the park right out front. Can't beat that. Uh, we walk in, of course... Um The restaurant is just just starting to see its first couple of tables show up. Uh, It's again, it it opened one minute ago. So we ask, is there any chance you can get us in? I had warned my wife. I said we might have to sit at the bar. We don't have reservations, but they were unbelievably accommodating. They say, you know what? We're going to get you in. They sneak us into a table back on the patio, and the best meal of my life begins. We sit down. We're served waters. We're served menus. And uh, we both put in an order. I put in an order for a uh, a signature cocktail. I wish I remembered the name of it, but it was like a it was like Bob Dylan's whiskey and sour mix uh, with a splash of red wine in it. My wife had a couple glasses of wine. Perfect cocktails for a beautiful summer night. The meals start coming out. Uh, a couple of surprise dishes show up from the kitchen. There's a caramelized onion goat cheese bruschetta. Uh-huh. There is a grilled zucchini. At one point, a, an appetizer shows up that was like a, a seafood salad, maybe a crab salad or something. Like a seafood salad over a couple of nice thick slices of tomato that was to die for. And I couldn't figure out what it was on the menu. And it turns out they had brought that appetizer over from Rella which is the restaurant right? Like kind of right next door, a few doors down. Uh, they had brought that down from Rella and served it to us. So we were actually eating Rella at Rocco at one point, which I feel like is is relatively VIP, ladies and gentlemen. Can we just say for just two seconds, how freaking cool was that, that we got an appetizer from Rella while at Rocco? <laughs> kind of cool. Um, Ryan ordered a wedge salad as her appetizer. I ordered a Caesar salad. Both of them, I think, were made for two people. Both of us ate ours entirely by ourselves. Thank you very much. Um, I ordered the pork chops. Rocco's always just kind of been famous for the way they do their pork chops. <clears throat> I think, as I say, Mark in general is, is one of the best chefs in Rochester, probably even the best. But he, um, it, for whatever reason, Rocco, like it feels like every time I've ever conversed with anyone about Rocco, it's always been about the interesting things that he does ...with pork. He's always got some really good pork dishes on his menu, and he's even got one he's extremely famous for, which I think is like a pork chop with just some to die for type breading, which I think might only be a lunch thing or a seasonal thing. I'm not sure. But anyway, anytime, I usually always order some sort of a pork dish. So I order these pork chops in sauce, red sauce, and it comes with some fried mozzarella. My wife orders shrimp fra diavolo, uh, which is a nice little spaghetti dish, peppers in it and everything. Perfect little amount of kick. Just absolutely perfect. And uh, the shrimp on the side were um, served like almost like a stuffed shrimp, its own dish. It was like two separate dishes, really. Back to mine, real quick. Of course, you know I'm a sauce lover. So I'm spooning just sauce into my mouth. And Mark has accomplished something with his sauce that I still don't know how to ac- accomplish. There's a specific flavor that I really. Really like in pasta sauce That I don't know how to get there And the best I can describe it is this It's as if you're Boiling down your tomatoes And and do you know what it smells like When you're boiling down tomatoes And there's just a hint A hint of like a Burnt tomato flavor Like a roasted tomato flavor Kind of That, that's what I'm talking about There's like a roasted tomato flavor in there where it feels like this wasn't all done in a kettle. Some of this was done with live fire. Now, I don't know what Mark does. For all I know, I don't know where that's. I don't know his method, whatever it is. But there's a flavor, like a deep roasted tomato flavor that kind of sits behind all the other flavor in his sauce that is, again, just, just absolutely to die for. We get to dessert, apple crisp. There's another thing, and there's a name for it, and I'm killing myself that I don't know the name, but it's basically a a, uh, a butterscotch with, all, with sh- uh, almonds in it that Ryan had for dessert. And then we both finished it off with some limoncello. Ladies and gentlemen, did I not just describe to you the best dinner you have ever heard? Thank you very much. And thank you to the crew at Rocco for a fantastic evening. Just absolutely fantastic. All right, let's get into some entrepreneur stuff. I've been very encouraged because I would say in the last week I have had mm, two or three people say to me they really like the behind-the-scenes entrepreneur stuff, the, the running a small business positives and negatives that I tend to throw on these podcasts. And so I'm going to just continue to do that. I mean, I, I love it too. I love talking about it. And frankly, as a listener of a podcast – It's something that I like to listen to as well. So here are three fantastic things that happened to me this week as a small business owner, and here are three not-so-fantastic things that happened to me this week as a a small business owner. Let's start with fantastic. Shall we start with the good news? Let's keep the good times rolling here. Um, Number one, we start work this week for potentially our new biggest client. Now, I I just want to be clear here. The client that we're starting work for this week is an international brand that you have heard of. I would have to say the familiarity, especially with Americans, on this brand product's got to be 99% of people who have heard of this particular brand. Unfortunately, due to confidentiality. I can't say the name of the brand, but, uh, we are obviously doing something extremely small for them. Something very minuscule. We're producing something that's going to go in a tiny little pouch or, or as a flavoring, I should say in another thing. Um, so it's, but basically we're making for them what they're later going to treat as an ingredient in something else. Uh, but, uh, so it's a very, you know, tiny very 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 tiny thing in in obviously in their grand scheme of things but for us it's a huge deal um to put in perspective again like one order from them one purchase order from them is about a third of what our largest client would purchase over the course of an entire year now the positive on that is like wow huge right the negative on that is i do believe it's a limited time thing so this 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 thing that they're doing, that they're making with the thing we're sending them, I don't believe it to be a permanent thing. I think it's going to be a special thing that just gets run for a period of time, months. Maybe it's a year. Who knows? But I'm not sure that it's going to be a forever thing. So there's that, that it could eventually go away at no fault of anyone's. It's just a promotional thing. (laughs) The other thing is we had to introduce a brand new piece of equipment for this and it's a uh, a ramped-up version of metal detection. We currently have a metal detector that is arguable whether or not it's truly a metal detector because it's actually a magnet that is intended to just kind of soak up any, if there were to be a piece of metal somehow a foreign object in the sauce, it would pick it up as it makes its way towards the bottle. This is more of an actual metal detector. It's going to detect that there's metal that exists. It's going to open up almost a... Almost a chute. It's going to open up a chute and spit product for a couple of seconds out when it detects that there's metal. Uh, and which, of course, at that point, that we stop everything and we, we got to decipher the problem. And again, these things are rare and you hope they never happen, but you got to have the metal detection in place just in case. Last thing you ever want to do is send a foreign object inside of a product. Which, by the way, I had dinner at a restaurant this week, which I shall not name. And did find a piece of plastic in my dinner. And could I just say something real quick? I actually found two. Two pieces of plastic in dinner. And it was not the place I talked about last night. (laughs) God, I just want to make sure. that Absolutely not Rocco. Absolutely not. Not in a zillion years was this Rocco. This was uh, a one night this week. I met somebody... Uh, from Rotary, it's because I'm I'm about to be president of Rotary next year, and so I, uh, I, I I've been taking out the past presidents, and we went to a a popular local pub. I'll say I got two pieces of plastic in my fish tacos. Mm-hmm. Okay, other positive things. Um, landed another big deal with another pretty popular brand uh, to bring another flavor of sauce to life. This is a sweet and spicy wing sauce. Kind of a sweet and sour, but it's got a bit of a kick to it. Um, It's an interesting thing, though. When it comes to chicken wings, it's like that. Think of it like, in fact, I'll tell you just how I developed the sauce. I think you might find this interesting. So um, this client was looking for a sweet and spicy wing sauce. Their volume was very impressive. Their projected use of it was impressive. And so it came time for me to go and develop a sweetened, essentially. Uh, at the time, I was developing a sweet and sour wing sauce, and it became sweet and spicy. But I was thinking about what to do, and we don't make country sweet at my place. We don't. But I, I of course, I'm aware of country sweet. Who isn't? Um, I went and I bought a bottle of country sweet, and I, I hadn't had it in a very long time. And I thought, let me just see what this tastes like. and Because I, I had heard kind of bad things about country sweet, and I'll be honest with you. Here's what I had heard, and I don't know if this is true or not. This is all hearsay, and it could be fake or false. But I heard that country sweet today isn't quite what it used to be, that the sauce over the years has kind of undergone a couple of transitions and that the transitions have have damaged the flavor. And I got the bottle, and again, not you know, I, I'm not able to do a comparison to what it tasted like 20 or 30 years ago, so I don't know the answer to that. But I said, let me try and see what they're going for here. And, of course, it's extremely sweet forward. It's all sugar, right? But I noticed that there was like a like – a, um, like I would say maybe the top things are sugar, water, and then like ketchup and mustard would be like the four things in this product. And to be clear, we don't really make – or we don't really use ketchup when we make products. We don't really – uh do that we kinda like assemble our own ketchup so I'm kinda figuring out how to make this similar but better, right? So the water part is what got me because water, sugar, water, ketchup and mustard, if you put a bunch of that into a kettle, especially if you had enough water in it, which this product did, it's gonna be very loose, very thin. You gotta thicken that up. And so in our world we'll use gum. Xanthan gum, carob gum, something like that. We tend to use xanthan gum at my plant. And it did occur to me once I I messed around with a trial batch or two that I think that whoever currently manufactures country sweet, and to be honest with you, I don't know who does, but whoever does is using a lot of water and thickening it with gum. Sugar on top of that is going to make that very sweet. And then just enough of the ketchup elements and the mustard elements to bring some flavor to it. Uh, And I thought, you know what we're going to do is we're going to do something very similar to that. We're going to do sugar, water, and gum and, and get this really you know, this, this consistency, this is what we want. We want something that's going to stick to a chicken wing, right? But then we're going to take the elements of the ketchup and we're going to take the mustard stuff and we're going to, we're going to ramp that up and we're going to put mustard in front of ketchup. So the sauce is going to be more mustardy than ketchupy, but it's, but it's, it's close to a 50 50 split, but a little bit more mustard than ketchup. And overall, I think the amount or the ratio of mustard and ketchup elements to the water, the gum, and the sugar is higher. There's more ketchup and mustard elements in ours than there are in like a traditional country sweet. And uh, and once I did that, then it was it was the, it was getting there. You know, you taste what I just put forth, and you're going to taste it. You're going to go, okay, I can see you're onto something, but you got to round that out. Now we need a spice blend and one or two extra things, and so. um, you know, there's the spice blend, which, which we came up with, which it's proprietary, I suppose. I can't just give you the whole recipe. But on the other hand, it's nothing surprising. It's everything you would kind of expect. Um, and then you're looking for, like, you know, what's that just little hint of citrus maybe? Uh, and, and we use just a drop of lemon juice. And I tell you what, I brought it home, bought, bought some wings, and I gave it to the first critique test audience that uh, who gets to taste everything. That's my wife. And I'm going to tell you guys something, she didn't love it, she didn't love it, we made a very important tweak that night, took some salt out of it and actually added even more sugar back into it, made another batch of it, <coughs> took it to the client, the client said, love it, can you make it a tiny bit spicier? Took it back, did another batch, added plenty of crushed red pepper and cayenne pepper. Got it to the point where it had a nice little kick, but nothing that's going to scare you away too far. Brought that back to the client. Approved. Goes out before Labor Day. Can not wait. Huge deal. What's another possible positive thing I wanted to talk about um, that happened this week? Um, oh, well, here's a... <laughs> this was almost going to be a positive story, but it kind of, it kind of ends up not because I, because of me, I'm the problem. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Um, so I had a client who was coming to us for some development work on something and it was just not going well. They're looking for something. I don't want to tell you the type of sauce, cause it's extremely unique just in case somehow it can be said that I'm You know, I don't mind telling you when it's like a sweet and sour sauce because you can throw a rock and find a sweet and sour sauce, you know. But I I do mind telling you in this case because it's just so unique that you might figure out who I'm talking about. So they come to me. They're looking for a certain kind of sauce. And they're out of town. They're based in New York City, this company. And um, so I I I make a version of it and I send it to them and it's not good enough. And I make another version. I send it. It's not good enough. And they're just very particular. Very particular about some stuff that's kind of a pain in our butt. Uh, God, I'm trying to think about how to explain this because the truth is there's interesting kind of back and forth or tug of war that can go on sometimes between co-packers and um, brands. And it's kind of a power dynamic thing almost where... You know, both sides have a business to run. And so both sides come into a development conversation thinking that they should be the ones dictating this entire conversation. And in fairness, that is just life. That's how it works. Personal relationships are this way. It's very rare that any relationship, business or personal, is truly 50 50. There's always tending to be a, a power dynamic slightly skewed in one direction or the other. And and that's pretty common. And so typically what's going to happen at the beginning is there's a little bit of a jockeying for position, I think, in a very professional and kind manner. It's not like these are tough, hard, yelling negotiations with fists pounding on tables, nothing like that. It's just a little bit of a, you know, what what is it that you're asking us to do? To what extent are you asking us to go outside of our comfort zone? And if you're asking us to go outside of our comfort zone, is the compensation we will eventually gain worth going outside of our comfort zone? That's really all it is. And frankly, what happens is if if somebody does have enough volume to force us outside of our comfort zone, they'll tend to pick up some of the power dynamic, right? And, and in the opposite, if somebody kind of doesn't have the projection to force us outside of our comfort zone, then there could be a situation where we we will um i don't I don't really know how to put it where we will we will just kind of tell them well this is what we can accomplish here and what you're asking for us to do we can't do and and um you might be better off somewhere else, right? I never like to just tell somebody no. I like to say, let me recommend this other Copac or this other idea or worst case scenario, we're so lucky around here, we have the Cornell Food Venture Center, the Center of Excellence, and the pilot plant right in Geneva, New York at Cornell. My worst case scenario is I can always tell somebody, why don't you call Cornell, talk to their pilot plant, get with some of their food scientists, and see if you can kind of crack the code to this thing because if we do this the way you're asking us to do this, Um, It's going to cost you an arm and a leg because it's what you're proposing to us is an inefficient process. So anyway, I I was in a, a tug of war, I will say, I think, maybe with this client. Who's kind of asking us to step outside of our comfort zone and I'm not really comfortable with it. And so I give them a couple of solutions that would be within our comfort zone and they say, no, 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 no. And so finally I write the email letting them know. <clears throat> that I don't think it's going to work out, right? And hi, Leo. Hi, sweetie. How are you? You getting excited for monster trucks? Yeah. Oh, he says, yeah. I think he's getting ready to go get dressed. So um, I write the email and I essentially tell them I don't think it's going to work out. <clears throat> they write me back an email. Essentially begging, saying we don't have any other options. We, we have talked to so many co-packers and you're the first person to even entertain this idea. Please, please, what can we do to make this something you'll consider? And, you know, I got to be honest with you, I fell for it. And I said, well, look, I mean, you know, we're going to have to go with the recipe, the way we develop it and the packaging, the way we can do it. And, and, uh, and frankly, you know, the volume's going to need to be a little more impressive. And I, I, yeah, I don't like being that guy. I'm not a ruthless guy. But at the end of the day, i got to look out for my business. So that was tough. That was tough. That was a positive where I finally kind of got it together and told somebody, I don't think this is going to work. And then I got roped right back in. <laughs> All right, a couple negative things maybe from this week. Um, I had a, I, I believe... This is, again, this is not a current client, but this is somebody who is trying to get us to do work for them. I think tried to pull one of the oldest tricks in the book on me, and I'm pretty sure I called them out on it. And it's this. It's a, uh, a product that we developed. Uh, it was their recipes. So when I say we developed, it really was they developed it. They sent us the plans. We followed the plans. We sent it back to them, and they said, great, good to go. Let's make it, you know, the next hump now is price. Let's talk about price. Are we going to be able to satisfy what they're looking for in price? And this gentleman did something that you don't see very often. And he said, I will tell you what your competitor has quoted us on price. And first I'm thinking, why would he do that? You know, because I'm going, typically in any negotiation, he who says the first number loses, he or she who says the first number loses. And in in sort of in the business world, the way we get around that, because otherwise you could end up in a room with two hardheads who will both refuse to say a number, is whoever's selling the thing, whoever is the one doing the actual selling, is usually going to be forced eventually into being the one who gives the number. So in this case, he's taking that onus on himself. I'm getting ready to sell this to him Really, I should be the one saying the number, but instead he volunteers to say a number. So he sends me the number on his products at my competitor, right? This is what my competitor has quoted. And I see the price that he's been quoted. And I don't know what to say other than there's just no way. (laughs) There's just the, the price he was supposedly quoted was so low so low that I, and by the way, I know the competitor he's quoting in this case, who he's telling me supposedly gave him this quote. I know them well. I'm going, they don't have the efficiencies to run at this cost on this product. I'm going, I don't even know if Ladestri has the efficiencies to run at this cost. What is this guy talking about? And then I realize, oh, this is one of the oldest tricks in the book. He's lying. I think at least I should say. I don't know for sure. But I think he's got to be, right? So I just very professionally, I did what I thought I should have done. I just wrote him back and I said, wow, that's an amazing quote. And, and frankly, we can't compete with that. And if I were you, I would take that, those quotes and I would run with that competitor. I would run with that other co-packer because that's just incredible. What a great deal you're getting there. And then I followed that up by saying, if you do choose to run with us, our pricing would look more like this. And then, of course, gave him our pricing. But uh, I, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't know for sure. But I'm pretty sure he was just pulling one of the old tricks in the book and being like, "Well, so and so says they can do it for pennies. What about you? They can do it for three pennies. Can you do it for two? Like kind of almost one of those." And I'm like, "No." If I were you, I'd take the deal for the three pennies. So we'll see how that hashes out because, honestly, that guy's never responded to me since. So who knows? Uh, What else? Um, Let me give you one more, I guess. Um, Our SQF audit, food safety audit. The window was June, I want to say June 19th to August 18th. Still hasn't happened. Got two weeks left. So at this point, I've got 10 days left. There's a couple of blackouts in there. I think we did the math. If you do the math on, you know you know, he's not going to show up on a Friday. That eliminates two days. I think there's a couple of blackout days in there anyway. I think we've narrowed it down to there only being about five days on which he could still show up, the auditor. And this week, unfortunately, there's only one day. He could show up on Tuesday. We have Tuesday, Wednesday, not blacked out. So he could show up on Tuesday this week. Uh, Other than that then It's going to be next week And it's pretty much any day next week So that's kind of like nerve wracking Knowing that that's coming up And I just wish it didn't go right to the end You know Like I wish it had gotten done I have a conspiracy theory That it was scheduled to happen When I had COVID But I can't prove that until he comes So we'll see Alright I'm walking back to my house Because I I actually I know how I want to end the podcast today And it is by reading an article Out of the city newspaper But I gotta grab the paper here Just grab it. While I'm grabbing the paper, I will tell you one other kind of cool thing that happened this week. It was actually just yesterday. I went and became initiated into the Italian Civic League of Rochester. Something I probably should have done years ago. Frankly, I probably should have done that before any of my other clubs and groups. (coughs) Okay, got the paper. Um, I'm part of the Sons and Daughters of Italy. Vincent Lombardi Lodge of Rochester, and of course that works within and under the Italian Civic League, sorry I'm huffing and puffing here, and that was cool, so anyway that was yesterday, the initiation, and then also something that happened, let me see if I can find it, flipping through my city news, Um, how long have we gotten here? Yeah, I'm going to keep going Okay. Um, one other thing here So the city news Let me tell the story from the beginning Okay so About I guess about two months ago maybe Gino Finelli of the city newspaper Calls me And I happen to answer the phone He's calling me from a number I don't recognize I don't think I had his number saved And he says hey Paul it's Gino Finelli, you've been nominated and voted in as one of City's 10. And I go, What's that? And he says, Well, every year we do an issue where we highlight 10 people who are kind of making it happen in Rochester. And I go, Oh, that's amazing. That's so what a what a compliment. Wow, I am so honored. He says, Yeah, I'd love to come out and interview you. So he comes out and does the interview. I go for a photo shoot and everything. And this wasn't all that long ago. This all happened in July. And finally, the article came out. And I'd like to read it to you because I am so touched, so honored by it. And also, for the first time ever, I was quoted cursing. So <laughs> I forgot City Newspaper's hip. So when I curse, I tend to curse a lot in real life. I didn't realize they'd actually quote the cursing. So I wish I'd have cleaned it up a little. But anyway, Paul Guglielmo, age 40, occupation, owner of craft Cannery, founder of Guglielmo Sauce, current resident, Brighton, New York. Hometown Connie at Ohio. The other people, by the way, are, let's see, and I might miss some pronunciations, I'm sorry, but there is Yakub Shabazz, Brittany Reed, David A. Paul, Lisa Cribs, Anderson Allen, Ray Mahar, Maya Johnson-Dunn, uh, Annette Ramos, Missy Full-Smith, and then Paul Guglielmo. looks like I'm actually, hold on a second here. Am I the the oldest? I'm second oldest. The second oldest. I'm becoming an elder, ladies and gentlemen. And the article goes like this. Dressed in a white smock splattered with red sauce stains... Paul Gugliamo seems at home inside the craft Cannery in Bergen, despite a sweltering July day, turning into the turning the facility into a tomato scented sauna. He's not kidding; it was hot in there. It always is, and I love that he called out my sauce stains on my um, on my uniform because I come out, you know, he came out to work, so I'm like I'm dressed at work. But part of my whole shtick is I'm Mr. Blue Collar, so I always just wear whatever I wore to the plant that day to wherever it is that I'm going. And, um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I love that. Most longtime Rochesterians know Guglielmo as Pauly, the radio personality who served as co-host and executive producer of The Brother Wee Show. In fact, out of the corporate radio business for three years, an industry he had grown increasingly disenchanted with, his somewhat sardonic, often self-depreciate, de- sorry, self-deprecating wit still seemed posed for the FM radio limelight. All right, hold on a second. Let's just Google what sardonic means together here. Sardonic means grimly mocking or cynical. Okay, okay. (coughs) But anyway, what a compliment, right? He's like, hey, this guy could still be on the radio. Well, hey, we do a podcast, right? We do a podcast. Okay. Guglielmo made a leap of faith to buy the facility then known as Permac Enterprises in 2020, previously owned by Tony Perry, producer of the Coach Tony brand known for their jarred Rochester-style meat hot sauce. And at the time, Permac was also producing the meat sauce for Guglielmo. Yeah, he had started as our co-packer of everything, uh, but in 2020 really was only handling one skew for us, which was our Sunday sauce, because Tony was USDA certified and my other co-packer was not. So, Guglielmo made up an excuse to come out to the facility at 4.30 a.m. one winter's morning. He knew Perry would be alone and he could make his pitch to buy the facility. Perry told him to make an offer. Uh, this is cool, because I, th- I told Gino this part of the story that I don't think I ever told anybody. Uh, this is a quote. It says, I drove home, and it was January, and I was so excited that at probably like 5.17 a.m., I, cr- I was crossing the Freddie- Frederick Douglass-Susan B. Anthony Bridge into Rochester. I had my windows rolled down and just started screaming out of happiness yeah it was freezing. It was january, but that that view of crossing that bridge into Rochester has always been one of my favorites because it just makes Rochester look so beautiful when you 're crossing coming from the west side onto the east side and you 're crossing that bridge. that view you have of Rochester just gives me goosebumps to this day um, and And yeah, so it was at that moment that I was like i 'm about to live my dream in the city that I love, and I remember I did. I just screamed like screamed at the top of my lungs with excitement. Paul's partner in the business is Tom Riggio, a food industry professional who helped develop brands like Vitamin Water and Bark Thins, and who Guglielmo calls the professional love of my life. Riggio's son, Nick, was Paul's first official hire at Guglielmo Sauce. Nick then, quoted, says, Paul's a boss, but also a friend. I feel comfortable talking to him about pretty much anything, so that's the positive of it. There's a lot of places you don't want to talk to your boss at all. (laughs) Well... That's cute. Poor Nick was cornered by Gino and had to come up with something nice to say. I appreciate that he did. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, Today, the craft cannery produces products for 70 local brands, including Red Osier, Wegmans, and Nantastic, alongside Guglielmo Sauce. But Guglielmo insists his path to sauce magnet is a boring one. A native of Conneaut, Ohio, Guglielmo came to Rochester as a transfer while working at Clear Channel Radio in 2007. He missed home and found comfort in his grandfather's sauce recipe. It became a side hustle in 2014 the first jar he ever sold to his grandfather was out of the Orlando Brothers Golden Dawn grocery store in Canyon. Sorry, the first jar he ever sold was to his grandfather. Yeah. That was we rigged it that way. Like the first place that ever had it for sale was that store. That was the goal. And quite frankly, that was the only business goal ever. Was just have a legally sellable jar of sauce and sell to my sell have my grandpa be able to buy a jar in his hometown grocery store. Uh, It says, we made a whole production out of him picking the first jar off the shelf and walking it up to the counter. Guglielmo said he was not very media trained because the first thing he said was, oh, I would never pay this kind of money for sauce. That's true, by the way. He did. He complained about the price. (laughs) In 2015, Guglielmo's big break was getting into Wegmans, a distinctly Rochester story. Robert Salisbury of Lanovera Specialty Foods was vying to be Guglielmo's distributor and set up a meeting with Wegmans product developer Dan Mezzapretti, who had coincidentally just picked up a jar from Calabria. Calabresella's Deli in Gates. Wow, does that paragraph bring back some amazing memories? Yeah, Bert, Bert from Leno Vera is a guy who, to this day, I'll bend over backwards for. Do anything that man wants. He was, he was just, you know, from small co-packing. You know, on the one hand, I'll be, I want to be up front with you. Leno Vera is technically a competitor. What we do today, but I absolutely. I have a wonderful relationship with them. Um, we we ask each other questions all the time and are always there for each other, and, and I am uh, just honored to be playing in the same, you know, field that he is. Uh, Dan Mezzapretti, man, changed my life with Wegmans. He, at the time, was the sauce merchant. Um, and then, of course, Calabresella's in Gates, Dominic over there. Dominic gave them... Uh, a, a rave review of my sauce, and, and the rest was history. Here's another name, Joanne Verlhals, merchandising specialist at Wegmans, who also runs Verlhals' Hey Ride in Spencerport, where Guglielmo was playing Michael Myers. Yes, a couple of uh, years in a row I got to play Michael Myers there. Caught wind of the meeting. She made a note to drop in on the meeting and vouch for Guglielmo. I got an email from Dan that Friday saying, Listen, we're interested in carrying your sauce, Guglielmo said. Today, the business has not only exceeded his wildest expectations, but afforded him the chance to give back to his adopted homes community. Next year, Guglielmo has been tapped to take the seat as incoming president of the Rochester Rotary Club. Another tremendous honor. When he started the business, he said there were only two goals. Oh, yeah, I already said this part. The first was just to hold a jar of actually legally sellable sauce, and the second was to get into the grocery store in Coniac called Golden Dawn, he said. Everything else since then has just been like, holy shit. Yeah. That's beautiful. I am so thankful. Thank you, Gino. Thank you for that. And by the way, the guy who did the photography, too, uh, uh, was... Um, crap what's his he's called uh, nah don't want him but i i'm not going to be able to remember his name off the top of my head but he's a he's like a barback at good luck and he's a phenomenal photographer with a good instagram page uh, i wish i could find it i would give you the info but i don't recall Um, But if you really want to know, text me, 585-350-5788, and uh, I'll look up the kid who did the photography, because he was a really good kid, too. But anyway, that's the podcast, I think, for the week. Thank you so much for listening. i got to go get dressed, and we're off to monster trucks. It's going to be a fun day. We'll talk next week. Thank you.